archived audio, blogs, social media links, and more, all in one place. Log on at ronshowatl.com. The Ron Show on America One Radio. Well, we thought this legislative session was kind of being somewhat congenial, not too controversial, not too divisive, and we've been lulled into a sleep. Those of us on the left have been lulled into a sleep. As the folks at the AJC are pointing out uh, via their jolt column today, well, here it begins. First, the state Senate voted to honor, air quotes, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas with a statue on the state house grounds, Democrats fiercely objecting. Then, of course, according to the AJC, the chamber formally praised former Senator Kelly Leffler's Greater Georgia GOP Conservative Voter Mobilization Group. Really? You you you're going to you're going to praise that voter mobilization group and I'm kind of wondering where's the praise for I don't know fair fight action for example. None. Article continues late in the day a GOP backed bill resurfaced the contentious religious liberty debate that has shaped so many past legislative sessions including a veto from then governor Nathan Deal. As they say on cable television, late night commercials, but wait, there's more. Continuing, Republicans have also introduced measures to block schools from requiring coronavirus vaccines, restrict surgeries for transgender youth, which is pointless because nobody does them, and uh, impose mandatory minimum prison sentences. Remember, that detail came up in the whole Johns and Pimps discussion we've had earlier and to ban homeless camps. Other proposals, according to the article, aim to limit some foreign nationals from buying agricultural land. Why just agricultural land? And make it easier to depose local district attorneys who aren't prosecuting laws passed by the, of course, mostly right-wing, General Assembly. As the article continues, and a new effort to prohibit classroom discussions about sex and gender could rail the legislature. Red meat for the base, y'all. That's all it is, is red meat for the base. Now, I don't want to be the dark cloud coming in over your blue sky because a lot of us felt a little optimistic about the fact that we would hear a lot from the governor and other Republican leaders about consensus-driven proposals and things that can be embraced by both sides of the aisle. I mean, after all, we just found out yesterday, as a matter of fact, that House Speaker John Burns now supports a measure establishing minimum standards for rental property, which, by the way, would include a requirement that they be, quote, fit for human habitation. It's crazy that in 2022, we don't have that kind of standard already. Fit for human habitation. We have to write it. Did I say 2022? It's crazy that in 2023, we don't have that already codified. Fit for human habitation. We have to now write this in February of 2023. And can I tell you, this has a lot to do with journalistic pressure. The AJC did this 18-month-long series called Dangerous Dwellings, this in-depth investigation into a lot of the apartment communities in and around Metro Atlanta that are owned by corporate faceless entities, not your typical landlord, but these faceless corporate entities. And, and, you know, nobody from those entities goes to jail for being a bad landlord. And also the state's 
regulations are rather lax, so there's not a whole lot of teeth to the regulation anyway. Kudos to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for that 18-month investigation, because now, look, Republicans are behind an effort that would require rental properties to be, quote, fit for human habitation. Huh. In fact, it was Casey Carpenter who brought forth the Safe at Home Act after reading the AJC's reporting on this. Fantastic. And incidentally, Casey, with a K, Carpenter, with a C, is a Dalton, Georgia Republican. All right. I have questions. Does this act also impose the inability for landlords to just invest in making these <laughs> these places, quote, fit for human habitation, and then passing on that cost to current tenants? Like, for example, if a place is found to be unfit for human habitation and landlords are required to make the necessary repairs and renovations to get them up to code, whatever that would be, that would make it fit for human habitation. Are we protecting tenants from footing the bill? So I decided, since I didn't know the answer to this, and I'm reading media reports and not getting the answer to this, I would just call the representative's office. And uh, I didn't get a secretary. I didn't get an assistant. I got Representative Casey Carpenter. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Appreciate you reaching out. No, no, this is... I don't know what you're reaching out for just yet. Well, this is all... The the, the Safe at Home Act is what I want to talk about. Uh, First of all, I got to tell you this, too. You are the first Republican I've had on my show. This is awesome. Um, Hey. Don't be freaked out or anything like that. I've only been on the air since October, so uh, it's not like I've got a a long list of uh, lineage there, but... Uh, it's not often that I, I get to, to talk to someone on the right side of the aisle about a bill that I'm kind of excited about, but I'm actually pretty excited about this. So tell me a little bit about the Safe at Home Act and what it does. And then I've got a question that I want to see if it does something else. So it ba- the bill basically does five things, but mm-hmm. the intention of the bill is to address bad actors uh, on bi- on both sides of the equation, mm-hmm. right? Because we, um, at the end of the day, we, we hear stories all the time about bad landlords and not addressing issues and uh, property not being habitational, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this bill addresses that, but it also addresses the ability for landlords to get rid of uh, of criminals as yes, well yes. so that the other tenants in the in the apartment complex feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it gives uh, landlords an, expedite, an expedited uh, ability to to get rid of uh, criminal activity from their from their units. So I think it's a great balance in 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 the in the system that that actually solves two problems for tenants, but it, it gives landlords the ability to help solve one of them anyway. Mm-hmm. The, the other one, obviously, they they should be solving through the legislation as well. Let me ask you this: uh, Is there anything in the bill? This is my question, the one that came up that made me think. Let me call the office and find out. Is there anything in the bill that protects tenants from having to eat that cost to bring a complex or rental property up to whatever that new code would be? Or are there protections for the tenant to keep them from having to take on that cost? Because, as you know, with a lot of corporations, they just pass on a cost to the consumer. Right. So, so I guess the, the, the issue would be, right, if I, if I rent, however I rent you that property, mm-hmm. Right. First of all, it has to be habitational when I rent it to you. Yeah. And so then I have to, as a landlord, make sure that it remains hosp- uh, habitational. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know. I said it wrong. Habitable. Yes. So, um, so, uh, so, yeah. So that burden would fall upon 
the the landlord to do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the issue becomes how do you force his hand on it? Mm-hmm. Um, there is provisions in law already that would require um, require him to do so, mm-hmm. but this just clarifies that he has to do so. He or she has to do so. So, so let's say, hold on, give me one second. Sure. Bear with me. Yeah. This is the coolest. So, all right, so, 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 currently, um, obviously, there's, there's, there's a couple of ways, and most of this is in case law as it, as, as it exists these days. Uh-huh. Um, and there's so there's a note uh, repair and deduct claw, uh, remedies. Mm-hmm. So basically, saying my air's out, I'm going to send a letter to my landlord that says my air's out. Sure. If it doesn't fix my air, I'm going to send a letter back that says I'm going to repair my air and then deduct it from my rent. Right. So that that exists currently, mm-hmm. right? And then the, the other option is you could obviously hire a lawyer, file a lawsuit mm-hmm. uh, for diminished value of your rent. So you're saying, hey, my apartment is I don't have air in my apartment. It ain't worth a thousand dollars. It may be worth five hundred, right. right? So then you can sue that sue that the landlord uh, on diminished value. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, obviously, if if you sh- your air is still not working, the uh, landlord would have to pay the pay your legal fees plus your diminished value and then also punitive damages if if it caused you emotional distress etc sure oh okay so those things already exist in case law but but our cue to this legislation was saying look we want to make it clear that one it has to be habitational when you sign the lease Uh and it also has to remain habitational Okay. So there's no there's no confusion in the law. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that like if if someone signed a signed a, a lease and moved into an apartment and then you know two months in they realize well, this this place is you know crawling with bugs, uh, it's in disrepair, the roof just caved in, yada yada yada. Landlord's not dealing with it, and the landlord says, well, we'll deal with it, but also uh, we're going to strike this lease, and here's the new lease, and it's up by five hundred dollars a month. Are there protections for yeah, the tenant? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Th- I mean, I, I don't think that can happen, right? I just. Yeah. I don't think that can happen with us saying it has to be habitational on the front side because clearly it wasn't, or, or and it has to remain habitational, right? right? So mm-hmm. if you rented the place, the, le- the the roof was fine. Then something happened. The roof's not fine. Mm-hmm. Then he has to address that issue. Okay. So by the same token, if then it happens, your, le- your rent would be your rent would remain the same for okay. your lease term, right? So if it happens, now, obviously, in- if it's a year, if it happens yeah. in month two. And then, you know, 10, 10 months down the road, obviously, when you go to renew your lease, he could up it. That's, I don't think there's a way around that because the lease is a year long. That's what I, yeah, that's what I was concerned about. I was concerned about it happening maybe to somebody who was in month 11 of their lease. Uh, and sure, then, sure, sure, sure. you know, something happened. And then a month later, they find out, oh, by the way, the rent's up $400. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, I that, understand that. That provides a bit sure of a... How, I don't, I'm not sure from a contract standpoint how you can avoid that. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, but I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know how you, because you can't really. Um, you know, I, I mean, maybe maybe the lease says that. You know, I think from a tenant perspective, you would say, when you sign your lease, make sure you have something on the a renewal agreement on that lease that would allow you to renew at a certain price, right? If you so chose. Sure, sure. If that makes sense, and then you then you would be then you'd have yourself boxed in. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, unfortunately, most people that sign leases aren't uh, aren't, aren't as knowledgeable in, in case law or or in in legal sure, yeah, in the legal aspect yeah. in any way. Anyway, uh, so uh, I think that's the case, right? I think a lot of times the story, you know, the stories we're seeing um, from the AJC articles, et cetera, is more about there's already some remedies, mm-hmm. but people just don't know about it, and we're not educating the public on on it. 
on on routes to take. And obviously, landlord bad landlords that are doing this aren't educating them because they don't want you to know. Yeah. Um, so I think as a as a society and whole, we need to explain to people what your actual rights are. Um, it's, there's a lot of a lot of things we do in society that we don't do a good job explaining. But that's this is clearly one issue because there are there are remedies already, but people just don't know about them. Absolutely. So uh, my last question to you is: Is it true that the AJC's series that, that kind of uncovered a lot of the disrepair and non-habitable rental properties and the large corporate presence of ownership in metro atlanta and how a lot of these communities are crime havens because of that did that really motivate you to 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 draft this bill yeah i think so i think as a as a party we realized this was an you know this was an issue we've addressed it sharon cooper had some legislation last year Mm. uh before all these articles came out that that we passed that um that addressed some of these issues already so we were in front of the um a front of the curve on a lot of that stuff already but we felt like um Obviously, with the reporting, et cetera, that you know there was there was still some concern in the and with our constituents about it. So we we felt like we wanted to get out there and address the issue. And let's understand this too. This is not just like a metro Atlanta issue or a major city or a big city issue. This happens in rural parts of the state as well. And I know you you serve the Dalton area, so I know this is this is not something that's just constrained to a large city. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So I um and I told the speaker this when we were talking about the bill. I said, you know, it, it, that's probably going to be the biggest issue. Is people say, well, you're not from Atlanta. You don't really know what's going on. But um, being from Whitfield County, we have a huge amount of rental property in our community. In fact, I would challenge you that Whitfield County has the lowest, one of the lowest property ownership rates in, in the in the state. Mm. So uh, we got a, lot, a huge tenant population, and mm. it's an issue not just in the metro. It's an issue in my community. It's, you know, it's, it's an issue across the stru- across uh, the state, the country. I mean, you're talking yeah. to a real estate yeah. agent, yeah. so I- let's be honest. It's not a. The problem is, like most things in society, we try to put everybody in a box. And what you know, in reality, there's a lot of great tenants out there, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of great landlords out there. Yeah. But these bad apples, mm-hmm. we're not. We've got to figure out a way as a as a society to better address them. Well, so and and, and maybe we can all agree somewhere in the middle here that the that, that the eye buyer trend that's just sweeping uh, from the Midwest now to the South is a bit concerning. Oh, you, you're talking about where people are buying lots of property in, in other communities and uh, yeah, these, corporate bu- buying spree, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, let's. I, I think all that's going to work itself out. Come on, now meet me in the middle I just a little that, bit. I think that. I think that. <laughs> I think that's going to work itself out. I think markets kind of work those things out. Uh, over time, uh, it, it, you know, obviously we're in a weird economic time mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of money and people overpaid for a lot of property. And obviously when you overpay for property, you, then you don't have the money to repair it. But I think this thing will all work itself out. I think we just need to, I think we're just in a weird time, but I think eventually all this stuff will kind of work itself out one way or another. There'll probably be a lot of property for sale when when these private equity companies lose their tail and they have to liquidate. Oh, it's happening. Yes, it, it happened to Zillow. It's happening to Open Door. You're absolutely right. That's that, right. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. And then I would just tell your listeners to be prepared. Make sure they they have some money in the bank yeah. so they can pounce on one of these bargains, and then they'll they'll get what they want at a fraction of the cost. The problem is working with first time home buyers as often as I do. Uh, they are usually using an FHA loan. Sure, which which sure. means it has to, it has to meet some sort of minimum habitability requirements as we were speaking about earlier, sure. and uh, tenants who rent from the open doors and the Zillows and this that and the other 
they tenants just don't take as in general as good a care of a place because they don't own it and they have uh, out of market faceless entities who are landlords who aren't going to come and make sure that the place is up to code. They're just looking to sell it and they'll sell it as is. And new buyers don't get to ask for repairs to meet FHA code. There's a lot of obstacles to that, but I, but, but your point sure, is taken yeah, as I far think as that's, I think that's a very, I think that's a valid point. Yeah. Um, I, I think you have a valid point from that standpoint. I was a first time home buyer as well. So yeah. I, I understand the, the difficulties in trying to get the 3% down. Yeah. Uh, all the FHA loans and the uh, and the uh, agricultural loans. So yeah, I'm 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 quite familiar with it. Y'all, this is my new favorite Republican. How about that? Uh, I appreciate you that's giving it. me the well, time and answering the phone. That was the other piece, right? Was yep. it was saying, look, we can Republicans could be compassionate. Um, <laughs> You've proven you know, it, but it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we got to show the world we can be compassionate too. So. Yeah, you're also in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. So let's just, uh, we'll leave it at, this has been a fantastic conversation. <laughs> and thanks for, thanks yeah, for taking the call. Hey, be sure to, be sure to research our relationship when you get a chance. You'll get a kick out of it. Oh, I probably would. I'm liking this more. All right. Thank you so much. Representative Casey Carpenter. I appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Have a good day. Thank you. It is on that note that I, I'll give him his due. He's not a huge fan of hers. Hmm. Okay. Uh, one thing that I, I didn't want to push back and forth too much because I'm really running late on this segment uh, with him about was the fact that, you know, tenants really aren't protected when the rent comes up when the lease gets renewed. And moving is a hidden fee. Yeah, you get your first and last months and, and now now they can go upwards of three times uh, a month's rent for your deposit. You'll, you'll get all that back, I guess. But if your deposit was less than three times, and you're moving to a new place that requires it, and then the moving, that's a huge expense for somebody who's living paycheck to paycheck, as much of the country already is. Just some things to consider, but nonetheless, I want to thank Casey Carpenter for A, picking up the call and just taking it, and then going on the show with me. Kudos to him. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this.